Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Air Power Hour. I'm the host, Lee Chekovich. In this episode, I had the unique opportunity to have an awesome guest to kick things off. Major General Edward Thomas Jr. is the Air Force Recruiting Services Commander. He is currently stationed at AFRS headquarters in Texas and has served faithfully in the Air Force for 32 years. In our conversation, we talked about how family was such a strong support system for him throughout his entire career, especially his dad inspiring him to serve and his grandfather recruiting him to Texas A&M. We also talked about his travels all over the world and learning a key word in multiple different languages. Lastly, we talked about how important it is to inspire and recruit our future generation of airmen. I had a great conversation with General Thomas, and I am very, very grateful that he took the time to come on the show. So, without further ado, the premiere of the Air Power Hour. To all units, proceed to your post assignment. All units, proceed to your post assignment. Welcome to the Air Power Hour. Welcome to the Air Power Hour. My name is Tech Sergeant Lee Chekovich. I'm the host, and I am extremely excited uh, to have this guest here today. Uh, you don't get a lot of opportunity to to have your boss's boss's boss come in to do a podcast, but I was granted this opportunity, and I'm so excited to hear your story, sir. But today we have the Air Force Recruiting Services Commander, Major General Edward Thomas. General Thomas, welcome to the show. Hey, Chuck. Thanks so much. It's a real pleasure to be here and talking with you today. Yeah. So what do you think, first of all, first impressions in the Midwest coming from Texas and at headquarters, uh, what do you think of this weather? Well, I can tell you it's uh, it's about 100 degrees in San Antonio, Texas. So to be able to be to land here and have a nice cool breeze, wear a jacket when I go out at night, I feel like I've, I've escaped the uh, the Texas summer just a little bit. It's beautiful here. Exactly. Yeah, that's it's like the that's the fall weather. You know, you want to have layers on. You want to especially football season. Not in Texas. In Texas we got two seasons. Summer and not summer. Summer and not summer. <laughs> I love this season because of football, number one. But then the fall weather is just wonderful. So who, who do you follow, Jack? Who's your favorite college team? It's it's tough to say this, sir, because we just had a rough weekend. But I am from Wisconsin, so I'm a Badger fan okay. through and through. Oh, I can respect that. We have the Packers, though. So I've, I've got that going for me. Yeah. Now, if you said Texas A&M, you get a lot more credit. But that's okay. I know. Badgers is good. Yeah. Why we have you here, sir, uh, again... I'm really excited to have you on because the intent of the Air Force or the Air Power Hour is to hear the Air Force story. I know that you've had a long tenured career and I'm sure that you have an extremely unique story. Um, so we're going to get right into it. And right. the, the first thing I'm going to ask you is when did you decide to join the Air Force? So I probably, well, let me, let me start and say I probably decided to join the military when I was four or five years old. Really? So my, my grandfather was in the horse cavalry. My wow. dad was in the air cavalry. Uh, I, uh, I grew up on army bases. Uh, my dad uh, had two tours in Vietnam. Uh, I was actually born while he was flying the, the Tet Offensive uh, over Saigon and Cobra helicopters in, in 1968. Wow. So I grew up in the army. I grew up uh, in places like Ansbach, Germany, going out and sitting in uh, UH-1 helicopters. As a little kid, the... The smell of the canvas seats, the the whir of the rotor blades, um, to be able to uh, to go just experience army life as a kid, it just really motivated me. And I 
I loved what I saw. I loved the sense of mission. Uh, I love being around my dad's friends and the quality people. I, I, I saw that community and that sense of purpose. So I'd say probably four, I knew I wanted to be in the military. Now, your specific question, when I wanted to be in the Air Force. So my dad, again, was an Army pilot. And when I was in high school, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was before Top Gun came out, but I loved jets. Yeah, You know, I was that kid who built F-16s and A-10s and F-15 models, that kind of thing, along along with helicopters. Uh, but my dad, being an Army pilot, uh, had just been around the Air Force a lot over the years. And he said, hey, son, if you want to fly, uh, I think you ought to go Air Force. And uh, I, I respected the heck out of my dad. I still do. He lives outside Fort Rucker, Alabama right now. Respected the heck out of my dad. So I was one of those kids I kind of saluted smartly and said, okay, yes, sir. Air Force, got it. Absolutely. So I uh, I decided then in the high in high school that I'd I'd go Air Force. Perfect. That's amazing. And then which route did you take when you decided you were going to join the Air Force? So uh, I looked around and uh, um, I looked at the service academies a little bit, but I really mm-hmm. didn't know much about them. I really didn't even know. I, I didn't know a whole lot about how to really come in the military, even though I, I was an Army kid, but. My, my grandfather, the one I said was uh, in the horse cavalry before World War II, loved Texas A&M. He loved Texas yeah. loved the Aggies. He had never gone to college. Uh, like a lot of people, you know, certainly Hatton in that generation. Sure. He, he loved the Aggies. And he wanted me to go down. He wanted to take me down and introduce me to A&M. He wanted to introduce me to the Aggie band, which was a, at the time, it was all-male military marching band at the Ooh. time. Uh, was integrated, you know, about the time I, I went in as a freshman. But he uh, he wanted to introduce me to the the band director. He wanted to take me down and show me the Aggie boots and the Sabres, the Fighting Texas Aggie football team, and everything that came along with Aggie Land. So when I was, I think it was the fall of my junior year, he arranged a trip, took me down there, got football tickets. I saw the Corps Cadets line up and the, all the seniors in their tall, shiny brown riding boots and Sabres glistening and trumpet sounding as the Aggie war hymn sounded off and the whole corps cadets stepped off on the quad and uh, the quad that's the quadrangle where all the cadets live absolutely I, I was pretty much sold after that yeah, he, why he I put, put in on one the, application he put you on the recruiting trip he definitely put me on the recruiting he sold it hard but once I saw it and tasted it I oh yeah I I, I never looked back yeah You're like this is this is for me yeah it's exactly what I wanted to do and, and by the way um yeah our in our family our blood bleeds we bleed maroon uh my my wife i was class of 90 my wife was class of 92 her awesome. grandfather was class of 1921 and wow. we've had four kids one class of 16 two class of 18 uh and one junior aggie cadet who's class wow. of 24 so we're we're pretty much yeah a, you are we're, we're an aggie family the aggie history we though. are jeez wow that's amazing that is that is really cool so now did you you went to texas a&m uh, did you do an ROTC program there? Yeah, Texas A and M was uh, it's, it's what one of the land grant colleges. It was, it was founded uh, right actually during the Civil War, and then really stood up after the Civil War. And there's a bunch of land grant colleges around the the U.S., but it was a all military school until around 1970. It's grown considerably larger. It's a 60,000 undergraduate population wow. now, but it's what's called uh, a senior military college. Okay. So there's about a half dozen colleges across the United States, places like Virginia Military Institute, 
the Citadel, um, Virginia Tech, Texas A&M that are senior military colleges. So in one of these senior military colleges, um, it's similar to the academy, but it's within a, many cases like A&M's, within a larger civilian institution. So you go and you are a cadet seven days a week. Wow. You live together in a cadet part of the campus. You go to a cadet dining hall. You go to formations twice a day. And it's it's kind of like taking West Point or the Air Force Academy and plopping it right down yeah. in the middle of a student population of about 60,000. That's that's interesting. Yeah, because they're all the academies, they're isolated. And you were right in the middle we're of... Right in the middle of it. You know, but it's got advantages. I sure. met married my wife Absolutely. Uh, at A&M, so uh, clear advantages. For sure, 100%. Absolutely. So going into... We, we already discussed um, your father was the one, if you want to fly, go. He go was my, he was that critical influence so, in my life. So he was the, so that was probably the most important decision, kind of choose the Air Force. That was the reason why yeah, he, he certainly Force. was that key influence on my life that said, hey, I, I think this is what you should really think about. And because I, I have so much respect for my dad and because I already was what we call propensed, I was already was pretty much already sold so it was just choosing which branch and what job i was going to do mm-hmm. at that point and uh yeah he was the key influence for me for sure yeah i when i was a recruiter i would always always want to have the parents in the office with me yeah when i did my interview because m- most of the time they're they are the the big influencers and if i can get them to be get on board with me then you know the the individual that's sitting in my office, they're they've got the backing, they've got that right, you know, the the positive vibes at home. And and frankly, the support. Sure. I mean, I yeah. look at our uh, you know, thirty two going on thirty three years on active duty since I was a cadet. And not only were my parents uh key influencers in my decisions and the the choices that I made in life, but even that choice to be in the military, they have shown up. Mm-hmm. They've been there. They've supported us. They've helped us move into houses. Yes. Uh, help me, uh, you know, our family all along the way. And a lot of military families do that, yeah. you know, and, and not everybody has that support. But I've mm-hmm. seen it time and time again where families roll in. You're off on a deployment. You know, they're helping take care of your kids or your pets or they're helping you move across the country. So not only did they influence me, but they they've been there every step along yeah. the way, as my in laws have as well. For sure, yeah, that that's amazing. Yeah, that I I can't thank my family enough for the support that they've given me, and I've been in for sixteen years, so uh, I can definitely see where you're coming from on that because oh, yeah. my parents have been such a big help, and they've been so proud of of the things that I've done. So it's been really cool. It's huge when you have that support. And unfortunately, not everybody mm-hmm. has that. But when you've got those kind of families, you just can't help but to be grateful. Yeah. And it pushes you to be successful too. You know, when you have that. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. My dad started, uh, he started his career as a private in the Florida National Guard. Wow. Um, he went to college for a couple of years. Uh, but then he really, he wanted to fly. He wanted to go into the army. And so he went from being a private in the, the Florida National Guard to going to Warrant Officer Flight School. Yeah. Going in, flew his first combat tour in Vietnam as a Warrant Officer. Wow. Um, got commissioned after that, retired as a major, uh, and set me up in terms of uh, training, 
influence, uh, opportunities. You know, he started as, again, he started as a private, gave me the opportunity to be able to go straight to college as a cadet, Texas A&M, just sort of helped boost me up to that, to that next level. Uh, and I, I say next level in a really humble way. My dad retired as a major, I'll retire as a major general. Um, but only because of the opportunities, mm-hmm. only because of the opportunities and the support and the people in my lives that, that helped me do that. Yeah. And all we want for our, our children is to give them an opportunity to be, to have it better than what we had it, you know? Oh, absolutely. So that's that I'm sure you're doing that with your kids. He did that for you. That yeah. That's amazing. You can't ask for a whole lot more than that. And, and that is what you want for your family. Absolutely. So just to sh- shift gears a little bit. Can you talk about some of your different positions that you've had in this long career and some of the locations you've been uh, or some of the deployments that you've been on? Yeah. So, again, going on over three decades now, 22 different moves, five overseas locations. And those over, but I've had better assignments than, than I, I possibly deserve. And the, the OCONUS locations, uh, U.S. OCONUS was. Uh, Alaska and Hawaii, and then we were in Germany, Italy, and England. Deployments everywhere from Africa, uh, whether it was Somalia, Egypt, different parts of uh, travel all throughout the Middle East, deployments into places like Bosnia. Uh, So just incredible opportunities to see the world. Oh, and one of my assignments was at uh, Pacific Air Forces. So that gave me the opportunity to be able to go see the Pacific Rim region to be able to go into places like um, uh, Korea and Japan wow. and, and Guam. When I was the public affairs advisor to the joint chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, General uh, Marty Dempsey, we traveled all over the world. I got to go into places my dad had flown helicopters into in Vietnam. That's cool. Da Nang, Hanoi, Saigon. Um, to be able to go into Australia and any number of places that I I just wouldn't have gotten to see. You know, my wife and I have joked over the years, getting get, get to live the lifestyles of the rich and famous, but not being rich or yeah, not being right? famous. Just <laughs> yeah. having those opportunities. Yeah, I, I agree. I've I've been on a couple of deployments and just having the opportunity to see the world. I mean, I, I stopped in Milan, Italy. That's the fashion of the capital of the world. You know, so I've been to the fashion capital of the world. I am in no way, shape, or form fashionable, <laughs> but I've been there. And you're right. I, I would not have been able. I, I don't believe I would have been able to do that. With, I've been stuck in traffic with a thousand mopeds around me uh, in Milan. I've had a cappuccino yes. in the square, the piazza in Milano. That's amazing. La Dolce Vita. Uh, to get to have those experiences are things that I probably never really would have been able to do. Not to this level anyway. Yeah. Not to this level. And you're so cultured. We, we were having a conversation before we started the podcast, and I told you that my last name, Czechowicz, is Polish. Polish. And you, boom, he says thank you in Gen- Polish. Dziękuję. Dziękuję. Well, you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is if, I, unfortunately, I wish I was multilingual. I wish I spoke multiple languages. I speak a little of this, a little of that, only a little bit. But if, I, if you're going to learn one word in a foreign language, it's, it's thank you. Yeah. To learn how to go into different cultures and at least be able to say thank you. If you're talking to somebody from the Philippines that, that you're working with or might in some cases be serving you, to be able to say salamat. 
to be able to say Dinkoya to somebody uh, that's Polish, or Kusunim if they're Hungarian, or Domo Erogato Gozaimus if they're Japanese. Dankeschön. You you name the language to be able to just express your appreciation to people. It just goes so far. That is awesome. Wow. Yeah, that is that is so cool. I mean, you said thirty-two different. I haven't counted. There's a few. You know, you uh, one for every you, year. You just sort of collect in. these. Yeah. How to say thank you? That is that's so cool. I mean, Terimakasi Banya. That's Indonesian. That's probably one of the most complicated ones. That is long for a two-syllable word. Tenemakasi Banya. 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 And my pronunciation is probably terrible, but my, my wife and I had the opportunity with our kids to take a cruise. We never thought we'd take a cruise. We thought that was just something that really wealthy people did. But we were in, um, we had showed up in the UK for an assignment in London, which was another fascinating experience. Uh, but being British residents at the time, we got, got a big discount on a cruise and we went into uh, a little port outside of Rome. And we had a lot of the folks that were working on the ship were from the Philippines or from Indonesia. And they were working so hard. Great folks loved being able to visit with them. But to be able to learn to say thank you to those folks just goes so far. Yeah, that yeah, that, that is so cool, though. I've, I've never came across someone who that that is the probably the most important word, I think. Thank you. Yeah. Sharing gratitude. Absolutely. So that is super cool. Now, you've been all over the world. You've had multiple different positions within the Air Force, uh, but right now you are the Air Force Recruiting Services Commander. I am. I love my job. Can you tell me a little bit about what a, the day in the life of the Air Force Recruiting Services Commander is like? Yeah, thanks, Chuck. I, I've got I've got one of the best jobs, if not the best job, in the Air Force. Uh, it's busy. It's challenging. We've got a a, a group of recruiters folks in recruiting service all around the world that are working hard every day to be able to inspire that next generation of airmen. But this is kind of how I describe my job. And, you know, to some people, it it could sound a little cheesy, but uh, back to General Dempsey, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, he used to say, one of his phrases he often used it was, but it has the benefit of being true. And this is one of those things that it has the benefit of being true. We get to do two things. We get to uh, change lives and we get to protect national security. Yes, sir. And that's why I love my job so much. Yeah, that that's amazing. And uh, it is truly a fulfilling job. <clears throat> I can speak from experience. I've done four years as an enlisted sessions recruiter, oh, yeah. and now I'm working you gotta operations. Have, you got to have a thousand stories. It's I have a lot of really interesting stories, yeah. but the stories that stick with me are the ones like the I just had an individual who just texted me. I put him in six years ago. Uh, six years ago, and he's working at the Pentagon now. And wow, he's a staff sergeant, and it's just and that coolest, makes you proud. Yeah, he's got to be proud. His parents have to be proud. So proud. I mean, it's just those success stories are are so important, and and finding the future generation of the Air Force is it's a very very fulfilling job. Yeah, it absolutely is. And one of the challenges, and your question just made me think about this. One of the challenges in uh, changing lives and protecting national security today is is less and less people just don't know us. They don't understand who we are as a military and as a service. Our number one challenge, I would say our modern recruiting challenge is simply this, uh, a serious decline in the number of people who are eligible and interested in joining the military today. And yes, primarily, sir. 
It's because people just don't know. I mean, literally, many people in the United States don't even know anyone in the military. And there's often misconceptions of, of what we do. Mm-hmm. Can you have a dog? Can you be married? There's people who think we go inside a big gated installation and we just march around all yeah. day long. We just yeah. march. You're right. They really, they just don't know. They're not exposed to who we are. So our job is to be able to help expand that pool of people who know and understand who we are and what we're all about and the, the incredible unmatched sense of purpose that we start out every day with. Sure. Yeah. And that's, I think that you kind of nailed it right on the head about what this podcast is all about. Because a lot of people that think of the military, they, they think about the movies and yeah. they don't really know. Uh, what life is like right. for us in the military. And it's extremely rewarding. And we do have a lot of benefits uh, that are granted to us that, that help us continue with a normal life. Yeah, and, and you mentioned movies. Uh, today, it's more likely that most Americans are going to view the military through the lens of what they see on television or in Hollywood and even if you look at Hollywood today, I mean, there's some great movies out there that I enjoy watching about the military. Heck, Top Gun was absolutely wonderful. That was great. But you, you're, we were will just as likely be portrayed as villains in a movie as as the heroes today. Uh, and so helping helping demystify uh, what we're all about. You know, here's another thing people don't know. You know, we've got some 200 different jobs yes. that people can come do in the military. You know, everything from medical to uh, security, police, firemen, jet mechanics, scientists, engineers, doctors, lawyers, almost anything you can do in a, in a big city, you can do in the United States military, but, but people don't know. And so helping people understand what we do and trying to be able to attract that, that high-quality person who's just got a desire to, to be able to serve and be part of something bigger than themselves is uh is is part of our challenge but also just this incredible opportunity we've got every day yes sir and that's that was one of the the things i told all my applicants was when they'd ask like what what can you do in the air force what what are some of the <laughs> what jobs can you not do in the air force exactly i right. would, i would basically paint the picture that you just said it just picture a small city and that's basically what a base is and everything that makes that small city run right are the jobs that we do whether it's cops, whether it's HVAC, whether it's pavement and construction. Everything it takes to get, get the, the Air Force and take care of the people. Here, here's another thing. We're talking about this today. Hold, hold your hands out. So I know people are listening, so they can't see it. But, but, <laughs> but look at your hands. Look at the front of your hands and the back of your hands. What do you do? What have you done over the course of your life with those hands? Yeah. What have you done over the course of the life in the military with those hands? Every once in a while... It might be a clenched fist. It might be a clenched fist. We have to be prepared to defend the nation. But most of the time, what we're doing on a daily basis with those hands, we're helping people. We're serving. We're trying to improve lives. We're, uh, We're moms, dads, brothers, sisters. We're holding babies. We're giving people hugs. We're doing things that matter in so many different ways. And helping people understand and have that human connection to be able to meaningfully connect with people to understand what we do as military professionals is just critical. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's a that's a great analogy. 
I like that. Yeah, I stole there. it from a Navy guy today. Oh, that, that is, that's <laughs> awesome. So what would be the most important piece of wisdom or advice uh, that you or that you've learned over your time in your career? Well, there's a couple things that come to mind. There's so many different ways that I could take this and I could answer this question. All the things that I, I've learned and been grateful to have learned over the years. L- let me just start with there's a foundation uh, of character and confidence, right? Who we are and how, how good we are at what we do. So the who we are piece, character, integrity, honor, those things really matter. They really matter to me. It matters to the kind of, of airmen and guardians we have serving in our military today. So there's a character piece and then there's a confidence piece. You know, the American people expect us to be very good at what we do. If we're flying an airplane, if we're shooting a weapon, if we're driving a ship, if we're you know firing rounds from an M1 tank, people expect us to be really good at what we do. That's the confidence piece. So character and confidence, we, we need both of those. But let me just call that the foundation. That That's what's expected. But when I think about lessons above that, the things that really matter and the things that I've really learned. I think one of the things that continually comes to my mind, it sort of floats to the top when it's, I think, stream of consciousness when I get questions like this, is perseverance. Perseverance, the the grit, the tenacity to just keep moving forward, to keep working to be better, to sometimes just keep working to power through when you're when you're tired. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you're tired, when you're cold, when you're hungry, when things aren't going the way you want them to go, sometimes you're sad. Uh, sometimes you're having to deal with uh, turbulence in your life. Um, whatever those headwinds are that are blowing against you, to keep powering through. And, and as I think about that, this is kind of the way one of the, that I think about it is if life was a snapshot, took that, you know, that one picture in the thousandth of a second, I would feel like a complete failure so many times in my life. Mm-hmm. There's so many times if, if my life was about snapshots, I would have failed so many times, <laughs> uh, fallen on my face so many times, uh, disappointed myself, disappointed others. But I think of life as, as the moving picture. Sure. Keeps going. You might fall flat on your face in one scene or in one frame. But then you get back up and you keep driving. Absolutely. I think it was Winston Churchill that said, you never really know the strength of a tea bag until you put it in hot water. And that's what perseverance is about. It's when you're in hot water, when things are tough, when things don't go the way you want them to go, when you get disappointed in life, to keep powering through, to keep digging deep, and to keep moving forward. And and for me... If, if there's one single thing uh, besides that foundation of, of character, faith, values, competence, it's just to keep powering through. It's, it's perseverance. It's tenacity to keep moving forward. And if I, if I was sitting in this chair and I was a brand new airman, I just walked through the gateway of Lackland, the gateway to the Air Force, and I just got my airman's coin, and I am starting out my journey in the Air Force, and I sat down with General Thomas, what would you say to that person? What what kind of advice would you give them? Well, the first thing I think I would just say is congratulations. You are in for an amazing ride. You are in for uh, the uh, the adventure of a lifetime to be able to 
do some of the most amazing things with some of the greatest people that you've ever met. And then I think the thing that I would tell him next is uh, it goes back, I think uh, maybe this was attributed to George Washington, but you'll be the average of the four to five people you're around the most. So the next thing I would tell him is you're off on this, you're off on this adventure, is pick your friends really carefully. Choose wisely the people that you're going to invest in, the people you're going to build relationships with. There's a Bible verse that says, uh, as, uh, you know, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Yes, one man, one woman sharpens another. Pick those people that you're going to be around. Invest in them. Let them invest in you. Have those wingmen, those battle buddies, those people that are going to make you better because we don't go through life alone. We don't go through life alone. We need those wingmen and battle buddies. And uh, the, the more wisely you choose uh, throughout the course of your life, in or out of uniform, oh, the difference it'll make. Yes, I agree. I mean, so... I graduated from high school in 2004, and I had some really great friends. I was a squadron commander in Montana in 2004. Wow. Thanks for wow. that. No problem, <laughs> sir. I'm here for you. Uh, graduated high school, had a lot of friends, grew up in a small, tight-knit community. But my looking back now, as a 36-year-old, my closest friends are my, my brothers and sisters in the Air Force. Yeah, my, amen. My wingmen. Yeah, the bonds that you form with people in service are so incredibly important. If we can bottle that, if we oh, can yeah. help people understand community, purpose, sense of belonging. You know, uh, Mark Twain said, uh, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. And, and when you put the uniform on, there's that sense of purpose and that why we do what we do. Yes, sir. I love that. I know we're on a time crunch, so before we wrap this thing up, is there anything else that you'd like to add? You know, I would just say this. We have an incredible country. We're privileged to live in the United States of America, but it's not a perfect country. Uh, we've been on this incredible experiment of democracy for well over 200 years now, but we don't have it right now. We still don't have it right. There's a lot of things we do well. The freedoms that we have, the opportunities that we enjoy are tremendous benefits to us as Americans. But we need people who are willing to keep making that country better. We need people who are willing to come in and wear the uniform to be able to serve, to be able to defend those freedoms, while the rest of us as a, as a country continue to try to pull together Despite some of the polarization we see and some of the, the, the divides, we've got to come together as Americans because we've been given so much and there's so much that we can do as we move forward. But part of that is we need folks to come join us. We need them to come serve. We need them to come be part of the defenders of that great experiment in democracy. You are absolutely right, sir. I could not agree more. Check. Hey, it's been so good talking to you it's today. Been, I, could, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I, I wish we had more time. Yeah, it's been awesome. It has been really, really great to hear your story. And you gave such wise advice. And and it, I just appreciate you opening up and letting us hear your story. It's been awesome. Well, next time I'm going to interview you, Check, and I want to hear your story. Because yours is probably uh, equally or more compelling. And I, I look forward to hearing that next time. Excellent. Well, thank you, General Thomas. I appreciate it again. Thanks, Jack. Aim high. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Air Power Hour. Take care, friends.